and welcome back to the m2 podcast i'm your host mad mike hope everybody had a lovely week and welcome back and for the new listeners this is where we cover esports and personalities some gaming industry related news some technology and innovation for gaming and also of course upcoming games this week we're going to be diving into halo infinite drama and release date information possible rumors and related events towards the developer we are also going to dive into activision blizzard and some recent controversy that has been surfacing around the interwebs but first we're going to dive back into a story from last week where we talked about twitch dmca problems and the possibility that Twitch has actually been suspending musicians for playing their own music. On October 27th, Twitch announced that they decided to ban Herman Lee, who's the lead guitarist and a very popular music streamer on their platform. The reasons are completely unknown. The speculation, though, is that the artist has been banned as part of a new wave of DMCA strikes that have been sweeping across Twitch. And as a musical streamer, DMCA makes the lives of musicians particularly difficult. Many have and may be banned in the future due to these new regulations, even if they're playing their own music. Neither Herman Lee nor Twitch have elaborated on why the ban has taken place. And no matter the reason, his fans and himself is shocked especially when he addressed the Twitch ban situation directly on stream back in June, reassuring other streamers that using his band's music would not result in a DMCA strike. Back in June, he stated, We know all these crazy things are happening on Twitch. People getting banned, people getting taken down, DMCA. I can tell you, you can play any song from the latest Dragon Force album, Extreme Power Metal, and you will not get a strike. I assure you, you will be okay because we are very good friends with our people from the record label who also love Twitch. So you will not have a problem. Now Lee was unbanned on October 30th. So a three day ban or suspension, if you will, but there have been no further discussion of why he was banned in the first place. So it's pretty much been left up to speculation that it was probably because of DMCA. He typically runs a clean stream He provides insight into the life of professional musicians, as well as just, you know, shred the guitar like the metal god he is. Now, to tie back into last week's episode where we talked about Twitch DMCA, this is going to end up being a reoccurring issue where musicians that own and create their own music are going to start getting DMCA strikes. Uh, There's a couple of reasons for that. First and foremost, Just because an artist actually makes the music doesn't mean they actually own it. The record label owns it. If they're an independent artist that promotes and publishes their own work and they don't have a record label, then they shouldn't be DMCA'd and it could possibly be copyright free or copyright strictly to them and they would have to do some type of robotic automation system for copyright laws to have things taken down using their work. But the big issue is is that with Twitch DMCA, they're using a blanket robot that goes through and essentially scans all VODs, all clips that is playing music, and sometimes they'll actually be doing this live. Some live streams can also be scanned. And the bot doesn't know whether or not 
you have the license or the agreement to play that music without any trouble. It's just a blanket DMCA bot that just goes through everything. When the bot finds out that you're playing copyright music, it'll flag you and it'll issue a strike or a takedown and then Twitch will automatically, at least this is my assumption, will automatically suspend or take down your account in fear that there's going to be some type of legal issues in the future. Now, this has been an issue in the YouTube space before. Um, there's also a gamer or streamer or content creator that is also a frontman for the band Panic at the Disco, Brendan Yuri. In his videos, he typically will play music from Panic at the Disco. He owns the music and he has an agreement with his own record company or label to play the music whenever he wants, but because that label is under an overall umbrella of these copyright DMCA bots, it got struck down and he had to go through an entire legal process to essentially say, hey, you can't strike me down for copyright claims when I own the music in the first place. It sounds insane, it sounds ridiculous, but it's just part of the process. So if anybody here is actually thinking about going out and buying a radio license for a live stream, you're gonna to have to jump through tons and tons of hurdles to let whoever knows that makes these bots that you actually have the rights to do live broadcasting of copyrighted music. And it begs the question, is it actually worth it? Or should you go out and just try to find non-copyrighted music to play in the background of your stream? Now, if you're a musician and you're covering music, that's an entirely different issue that I'm not capable of even crossing over yet. But this is going to be a continuing problem until the laws are changed or until there's other, some other type of solution that happens. Clearly, it'll be a developing story. Moving on to our next topic, we're going to talk about Halo Infinite. Now, this topic is pretty close, near and dear to my heart. I am a massive Halo nerd, and in the future on these podcasts, I do intend to have some Halo special, but for right now, we're going to talk about Bloomberg's recent article that they published on October 28th, Jason Schreier. He wrote, Microsoft's new Halo game loses top director after project delay. Chris Lee, who oversaw production of Halo Infinite at 343 Industries, which is developing the game for Microsoft, is no longer working on it. He confirmed to Bloomsburg News on Wednesday. Lee is the second top director on the project to leave in the past two years. He said, I have stepped back from Infinite and I am looking to at future opportunities. I believe in the team and am confident they will deliver a great game and now is a good time for me to step away. The article goes on to state, the highly anticipated next Halo installment was originally slated to come out alongside Microsoft's launch of its next-generation Xbox Series X console in November. The game was delayed in early August, however, following poor fan reception to an early public version. Lee's role was sidelined a few weeks later, and Microsoft brought in Halo veteran Joe Staten to lead the single-player campaign and another senior executive, Pierre Hinzi, to run multiplayer. Now, for those not involved in the Halo community, the Halo community has been pretty divided 
since the release of Halo 4 and Halo 5 after Bungie moved on to create the Destiny series, and 343 was formed to take over the helm of the Halo franchise or series. You have an entire fan base that is still playing the old school style Halo games of Halo 3, even Halo Reach at, in some areas, uh, Halo 2 and Halo CE. They still compete in it regularly, and the game is more based around what you would call classic shooter mechanics. Base movement speed, base jump speed, and jump height, and also power weapons on the map for map control. Now Halo 4 and Halo 5 are drastically different, different because they involve more of modern mechanics. So you'll have sprint, you'll have thrusters, you'll have sliding abilities, you'll have clamber or climbing up edges. And a lot of people in the Halo community, at least the old veterans, claim that Halo 5 and Halo 4 isn't really Halo to them. Whereas you have an entire new generation of gamers that are coming up and playing Halo 4 and Halo 5 for the first time, and they're very, very excited for Halo Infinite. But what the overall Halo community does believe in is that Halo Infinite might be the last ditch effort or chance for 343 Industries to garner the respect of the old school fans that are still playing Halo 3, Reach, and 2, CE and all that stuff, and also retain the normies that are playing Halo 5 Guardians and Halo 4. So to hear that 343 Industries is letting go top developers and studio heads in the midst of development is very worrying and very concerning. We've seen this happen with other top developers and actually a good comparison that I just thought of is Bungie. When Bungie left Microsoft to go create Destiny, they also went and signed a contract with Activision. The problem was is that Activision came in with their executives and basically said, we don't like the way your story's going. And they ended up kicking away their story writers and their story leads. So that's why when you play Destiny 1, the story doesn't make any sense. You don't know if you're the villain or the people that you're shooting are the villain. It's just completely a jumbled mess and it doesn't make any sense. It was an overall good game mechanics-wise and it was gorgeous and Destiny 2 is even better. But the story of the actual game, the life and the blood of storytelling in a video game wasn't there. And that seemed to happen with Halo 5 Guardians where the story didn't make a lot of sense. You had to go out and you had to read a book or a comic in order to get the full picture of the story to understand what was going on. But the overall game was actually good. Now we're hearing that the studio head's gone. They just hired a new multiplayer director and a campaign director. This late, when the game's supposed to be coming out technically next week when the console launches, but it was postponed to some date is very concerning. To pile on the concerns, Halo Infinite, which is a game that they're expecting to be launched for free, a free-to-play game, is also going to have microtransactions in the form of cosmetics. Now, Halo Infinite and 
343 Industries are essentially calling these cosmetics coatings. They're designs or colors or paintings that are going to be on your weapons, your vehicles, and your player skins. And when they announced it, Twitter and the overall fan base started to freak out and automatically assumed that these were going to have massive microtransactions or paywalls behind it. Whereas traditionally, in all the other Halo games, the more you played, the more you unlocked. So there was an actual reward for playing more. The outcry was so loud that Microsoft had to assure fans that customized items can also be earned through gameplay. Community manager John Junizek, hopefully I pronounced his name correctly, he posted to Twitter. What he said was, there will be all kinds of customizable options and items, including coatings that can be earned in-game and earned as special rewards. And he said, will there be purchases? Sure. Is that the only way? Absolutely not. Now here's the weird thing. We have known for years that Halo Infinite is going to have microtransactions. In 2018, a job listing at 343 mentioned microtransactions and how developers will use human psychology and behavioral analysis to encourage people to keep coming back. Now, while Halo Infinite will have microtransactions, there are going to be no loot boxes. And given that Halo Infinite's multiplayer is going to be free to play, it makes sense that the game will support microtransactions as a part of a way to make money. For Halo fans, it's not all doom and gloom for Halo Infinite. There will be multiplayer skins that you can purchase through sugary snacks and also shopping at GameStop. I know that, for example, Monster Energy, they do have XP and unlockables that you can gather before the game releases in 2021. And speaking of the release date, a prominent Xbox insider, Slobriel, I believe his name is on Twitter, she recently revealed that Halo Infinite is more or less content complete. And as a result, 343 Industries is fully focused on technical aspects of the game. Meanwhile, the insider also noted that they absolutely expect the game to release sometime in 2021. Unfortunately, there's no real telling exactly which date that would be. Seeing as how the game was delayed about a month out prior to the official release of the Xbox Series X, because this game, Halo Infinite, was supposed to launch with the console. So I would imagine quarter one, early quarter two of 2021, assuming everything goes to plan. But because of the new studio head and the new changes of upper management, there's no real telling how this game is going to turn out. All you can do as a Halo fan, and all I'm going to do is just hope for the best. Not worry too much about microtransactions. It's a free-to-play game. Just try to have fun. Now to dive into another studio, one that's incredibly well-known, Activision Blizzard. I couldn't decide whether or not I wanted to talk about how Activision Blizzard made $1.2 billion for microtransactions in just three months, or if I wanted to talk about how Activision Blizzard needs to hire 2,000 more employees after mass layoffs. So I figured let's just go ahead and talk about the financials first, and then we're going to dive into why they need to hire 2,000 more employees. If for some reason you stumbled upon this podcast and you have no idea who Activision Blizzard is, um, they're the ones who created Call of Duty, Guitar Hero, Tony Hawk even, Hearthstone, 
Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, Starcraft, Warcraft, and even Candy Crush Saga. These people have pretty much made just about everything. Now, microtransactions, which are essentially something that you buy very small value, less than $5 typically, in a game for what one would say cosmetic purposes or to get you over a hump or an extra life in like a certain game. For the three-month period of Activision, they made $1.2 billion for microtransactions alone. And this is essentially a 69% improvement from the same period of last year when they made $709 million. Now, it's no secret that microtransactions are very profitable, but it's a massive business for Activision Blizzard. For their latest reporting period, Activision Blizzard made $1.95 billion in revenue from all of its business combined, including subscriptions and game purchases. So the $1.2 billion figure from microtransactions alone represents more than half of the company's total revenue. Now, Activision's Call of Duty franchise was a bright spot on microtransactions. The microtransaction sales of Modern Warfare and the Battle Royale game Warzone were four times higher than the same period last year. Now, the growth can be expected because pretty much everybody and their mother being stuck at home has been playing that game. All the streamers are playing it. It's one of the highest viewed content on YouTube, Facebook Gaming, and Twitch. And additionally, Activision reported that Modern Warfare's first year sales are the highest in Call of Duty history, and two-thirds of the sales came digitally. The absurdity of creating all of that profit and then turning around saying that they don't have enough people working and they need to hire 2,000 more employees is controversial at best. Now, the reason it's controversial is because the problem is is that a large number of those people weren't directly involved in making the game. At least, that's the assumption. Now, a lot of people essentially break the entire industry down to a developer and non-developer type of employee. Now, there are developers like programmers, artists, animators, and stuff like that that are one part of the game. But the other part is the localization element or a core element of development for non-English versions of the game or customer support, which is essential for those who play games that are online-based or online-focused. Then you have the parts that get the game to the store and get the word out to people, the marketers, the PR people, the community development, the release managers, the label managers, the marketing, uh, the release coordinators, and more. The real issue here is that the reason these people were laid off in the past and why, in the future, you'll see even more huge layoffs, is that Activision Blizzard management is short-sightedly abysmal. They've been falling apart for the better part of the last five years. As an example, High Moon Studios made the well-received Transformers Fall of Cybertron, and as a reward, Activision put that part of High Moon on Call of Duty and Destiny. The other part of the studio released Deadpool, and then Activision Blizzard laid off 40 employees. Now the studio gets to support Call of Duty until it's eventually shuttered as well. This one cuts deep for me, because a lot of people never played 
the Transformers, Fall of Cybertron, War of Cybertron, and all these other types of games. They were really, really, really well done. I love them. I still love them. I still own them. I would still play them right now. But the moment Activision Blizzard went and bought them out, they essentially just diversified their developers and sent them off packing to go do some other project instead of creating something that I truly enjoyed and leaving the fans behind. Another example is Toys for Bob and Vicarious Visions. They put on Skylanders until Activision Blizzard helped to kill the toys to life genre through con consistently pumping out more and more, much like how they killed the music game genre by releasing a new Guitar Hero roughly every 10 weeks. Layoffs did occur, the only benefit now being that Toys for Bob have made the new Crash Bandicoot game after the success of Crash and Spyro remakes. Vicarious Visions may get a chance to make a new Tony Hawk's like thanks to the success of the recent remaster, but this success is likely the only way they'll remain open as an independent studio. Now one of the things that Activision Blizzard has essentially been doing, and a lot of these big developers have been doing is going out and they're finding smaller indie developers or smaller studios that create quality products. They know exactly what their vision is. They have an overall size goal. They come in, they buy them out, and they say, yeah, we'll let you do whatever you want. We like what you're doing here. You'll be fine. No problem. And they let them shoot something out without having enough time or resources. It turns to crap, and when it eventually bombs, they close the studio, they send the quality developers, the top-tier talent, to go work on their other games that are more successful or more established, and then send the rest of them packing. Now, if you're thinking I'm being dramatic here, I don't think I am. Neversoft, the one who single-handedly had to pump out eight annual Tony Hawk games since, well, until... 2007, eventually had to move their entire resources to go do Guitar Hero or Band, Rock Band or whatever it was, from those games from 2007 and 2010. And then Activision pretty much murdered that genre, and then Neversoft had to go out and support Call of Duty until they were eventually closed. Now Radical Entertainment made two prototype games and then tasked to support Destiny, and then they were closed. And that Raven Software is currently a support studio for Call of Duty and has been since 2010, their last launch being Singularity. And if you're curious about Singularity and you don't really remember it, that's because the game came out 10 years ago in 2010. Now these are quality studios that are well established, they have a vision. And Activision comes in, they buy them out, and they just move everybody to go to the biggest titles that they have as a cash grab to support essentially their investors. One of the biggest problems with Activision and a lot of corporate America, what they do is when they look at a quality product that they're making, keep in mind, these are not engineers or developers, they're marketers and they're business people, typically dealing in finance that don't have any idea what a quality product actually is. They come out and they basically say, okay, um, What's the bare minimum that we can have that will actually push out a product where we can make enough money? And they say, okay, cool. Get rid of everybody else as quickly as possible. It doesn't matter where they go. They'll figure it out on themselves. And then the moment things start to backtrack and they need the help, like what Activision's doing right now where they need to hire 2,000 other people to meet these demands of all these other games going on, 
what they're going to do is they're going to hire other people, probably less experienced, definitely not the same people that they let go, and they're going to pay them less. I've seen this happen, especially in call centers. They do this all the time where their only real expense is their salaries that they pay people to work for them. And the quickest way to get rid of their expenses is to fire people that are upper level, promote people under them, and give them a minimal pay raise so that somebody that's really there for three to five years that gets into a position where they should be getting paid like they're been there for 10 or 15 years that the guy that just got kicked out was getting paid for, they'll pay him half that amount so that they reduce their overall expenses. But the problem is, is you lose quality in the product. But I don't think they realize that, nor do they care. All they look at is the financials and the numbers, because if you're an investor, all you want to see are the revenues going up, up, up every single quarter, no matter what. And the moment it doesn't go up, somebody in upper management or on the executive level ends up getting fired or replaced and moved to the side, just like everybody else. I think one of the saddest things is, is the people who work for these companies, not Activision per se, just in general, if you're under these kinds of situations and you constantly see people around you getting laid off and then finding out less than two years later, they need to replace their position because they were actually quality. It's, it does not garner any type of loyalty nor respect for the company that they're working for. They lose trust in the overall management and the decision-making that's going on in the business. And honestly, they're probably looking for a new place to work. I know I would. If I saw like one of my upper managers who I really liked get fired because he makes a bunch of money and he's been here for a while and then get replaced with somebody that isn't as well qualified. And not only that, we lose our coworkers that are sitting next to us day to day and the production doesn't slow down. So now I'm at continual time crunches. I'm working myself to death. My pay raise doesn't go up. Like that's just not how, that's not business. It's, it's bad business and it will eventually fail. But until then, people are going to keep buying the products. They're going to keep dishing out crappy products with substantial updates at the end. And it's so sad because Activision in particular, even, even probably more so Blizzard, was so well-loved and romanticized over by the entire World of Warcraft fan base, even the Diablo series. And it's not to say they push out quality products, like, crappy products it's just they're just making ruthless business decisions and not taking the people who work for them to heart or what they might consider it's super unfortunate all right so i believe that's enough rambling for one episode um i want to go ahead and extend my sincerest thank you for everybody that's been listening i do appreciate it i do notice the numbers going up and it's it's awesome to see uh, if you want to contact me directly on social, my at is at MadMichaelEachie. The U is the letter U. Everything's all one word. Contact me on pretty much any social you can possibly think of. I'm on it. Uh, there will also be a link to the Discord. I recommend you guys join. I want to get more and more people involved in the Discord, have more regular conversations, and to just overall see what everybody thinks about 
what we're doing here and the types of gaming industry shifts and the momentum that's going on. It's actually a really exciting time. There's a lot of new innovation coming out and I'm looking forward to it, especially the new games. So anyways, we're going to sign out. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a fantastic and wonderful week. And see you later.